Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, Governor DeWine is ready to move into the next phase of Ohio's coronavirus vaccine rollout. Are we on track locally to achieve herd immunity later this year? We speak with Hancock Public Health Commissioner Kareem Baroudi. Also this morning, one of the many struggles of parenthood is keeping kids active in the wintertime when they're cooped up indoors. Now, there's an app for that. 4-H clubs gearing up in Hancock County. OSU Extension educator Cassie Turner has details for us this morning. And in today's consumer news, President-elect Biden proposing a major overhaul to the way consumer credit scores are calculated. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, January 11th, 2021. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast is calling for partly sunny skies today and a high of 33, partly cloudy tonight, a low of 25. A hotline has been set up by 50 North to help Hancock County seniors get pre-registered to receive the coronavirus vaccine. Executive Director Carolyn Copas says the hotline went live on Friday and they've registered hundreds of people in the first day. So even if you have to leave a voicemail, do it because we will get back to you. We just want to make sure anybody who wants to get registered, pre-registered for a vaccination, that we get you registered. Hancock Public Health also has a pre-registration form that people in Phase 1A and Phase 1B can fill out. The governor previously said that he hopes to start vaccinating seniors 80 and older by next week. Get more on our website. A railroad crossing gate on East Sandusky Street in Finley was ripped off in an apparent hit-skip crash over the weekend. An officer was on the scene with his lights activated to let drivers know something had happened. A few minutes after the crossing gate was damaged, a train came by and the one operational crossing gate came down. The crossing gate was quickly replaced. See video on our website. The big nut will be in the stands as the Buckeyes battle the Crimson Tide tonight in Miami. He hopes the game is as, is, uh, as exciting as the title game from 2003 when the Buckeyes beat Miami in double overtime. The greatest game I believe I've ever witnessed um, to this day. Um, a, lot, a, lot, a lot of passion, uh, a, lot of, a lot of great moments in that game. And uh, that was the first game that you know, was painted up. The Big Nut is from Fremont and says his passion for the Buckeyes started in the late 60s when he'd listened to games on the radio with his grandfather. Get more of our conversation with the Big Nut on our website. Meantime, Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center is making sure the newest members of Buckeye Nation are appropriately attired as the football Buckeyes ready for the national title game. The hospital posted on its Twitter account pictures of two babies in a scarlet-colored sleep swaddle that says Beat Alabama 2021. The hospital says all Buckeye babies born at the Wexner Medical Center through Monday uh, through tonight will receive one of the special Beat Alabama sleep swaddles. See some pictures on our website. I'm Matt Demchek, WFIN News. If you need a reason to celebrate, as if the Browns' win over the Steelers wasn't enough. If you need a a reason to celebrate, it is Girl Hug Boy Day, which I'm thinking is probably one of those things that we can't celebrate in 2021. Um, Also, wait a minute, we've got more things here. Learn Your Name in Morse Code Day. Beep, 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 Learn your name in Morse code day. It is national. How bored do you have to be to learn? <laughs> if you are all out of things to do in this, in this pandemic, if you are bored out of your mind because you've done everything there is to do around the house, 
because we haven't been able to go out for 10 months. You can learn your name in Morse code. National Clean Off Your Desk Day, if you are so inclined. National Gluten-Free Day. National Milk Day. National Step in a Puddle and Splash Your Friend Day. And it is Secret Pal Day today. So there you go. Some of the reasons to uh, celebrate on this uh, 11th day of January. Speaking of the uh, NFL playoffs, the Browns with a big win, the the. Buffalo Bills won. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers won. Craziness. Crazy, crazy, crazy NFL playoff season. And uh, the Patriots still did not make the playoffs. <laughs> but that's okay. Apparently, and I bring this up because uh, apparently uh, Patriots head coach Bill Belichick is getting a pretty good consolation prize. His team didn't make the playoffs, but it was reported yesterday that the president will present Coach Belichick with the Medal of Freedom, one of the nation's highest civilian honors. Uh, the Associated Press citing a White House official as saying the presentation to the only coach to win six Super Bowls is expected to take place on Thursday. It is not clear if the event will be public, since recent medal ceremonies had taken place in private. Uh, apparently, uh, Mr. Trump... And Mr. Belichick have been close friends for years. Presidential Medal of Freedom awarded by the president to individuals who have made exceptional contributions to the security or national interests of America, to world peace, or to cultural or other significant public or private endeavors. So, he didn't want to make the playoffs anyway. I mean, that would have conflicted with getting the Medal of Freedom. So, that's not a bad consolation prize. Um... Speaking of presidential politics, this is kind of interesting among the most interesting, most buzzworthy stories in the news this morning. I saw this on the uh, on the newswire. Um, and it's a reminder that, you know, during the past four years, of the Trump presidency, the one thing that we have not had in the White House is a first pet. Uh, you know, we've had cats and dogs and all manner of presidential pets in the past, but Donald Trump and his family don't have any pets. That will change on January 20th. And interestingly enough, it will be a presidential first. Uh, Joe Biden's dog will become the first rescue dog to live in the White House. Uh, Major is uh, Joe Biden's dog. Uh, actually, is one. Champ is the other. So Major and Champ. Major is a mutt. Uh, first rescue dog to live in the White House. That's kind of interesting. Uh, the German Shepherd was adopted by the Bidens in 2018 from the Delaware Humane Association in Wilmington, which is hosting a special online event to commemorate the occasion. The inauguration event happens via Zoom and will raise funds to help other rescue animals. Uh, in case you are interested, in case you are so inclined, the inauguration is Sunday, January 17th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Details available on the Delaware Humane Association Facebook page. So, that's... I think that's what, no matter where you come down in presidential politics, whether you're happy about Joe Biden winning or you're not happy about Joe Biden winning, I think we can all agree that that's pretty cool right there. That is... Cool. Um, that Again, speaking of government, I saw this on the Newswire I thought was very interesting. 
And I'm not sure if I would necessarily agree with this, but New Curtin University researchers surveyed people in Australia and New Zealand. So, again, this is the land down under, not in America. But I wonder if this would hold true in the United States. And I suspect it would not be the case. But university researchers in Australia and New Zealand found a dramatic increase, increase in people's trust in government as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. About, yes, increase in trusting government. About 75% of those surveyed said they thought management of the pandemic had increased their trust in government. More than 85% had confidence that public health scientists worked in the public interest, and those numbers correlated with the number of people in Australia and New Zealand using the COVID phone app to, you know, the contact tracing and all of that. Researchers added that because the research was conducted during a global pandemic, the findings may may not signal a long-term change in trust in government, may return to previous levels when the crisis passes, still... They say trusting government could be could be viewed as a reservoir that can be drawn upon when needed. I just wonder, do you think if you did that same research in this country, you would find the same results? I got to think probably not. I don't know what that says about people in New Zealand and Australia versus what it says about people in America. I'll leave that to you to decide, but it is kind of interesting nonetheless. And... How about this? This is maybe the best news of the day and one of the most uh, buzzworthy stories, one of the most useful stories you will hear today, right here. Psychologist Avi Klein says, if you have been feeling stressed and you feel like you just want to scream, you should. It could help you feel better. Uh, the uh, This psychotherapist says, Uh, Every emotion that we feel has a kind of correlating action that goes along with it. It feels really good or even healthy to discharge that emotion. John Norcross, a professor of psychology at the University of Scranton, says no matter how you vent your feelings, it's a good way to relieve tension. He says uh, simply screaming will not fix your issues. You'll still have to face whatever it is that is bothering you and work through it. But it can take the edge off. And... As such, a new hotline called Just Scream has been introduced to allow people to do just that. You call, you let out a scream, and you hang up. (laughs) The phone number is not manned by anyone, so you don't have to worry about that you're screaming at someone. But your message will be recorded and uploaded to an online scream playlist. And according to the website... Uh, The site is updated a few times daily with new screams, so you can check back after your recording and see if you made the cut. (laughs) So if if things are so crazy in the world today, you feel like you just want to scream, you can call 561-567-8431. That is the scream hotline. 561-567-8431. And let out a scream. That is all kinds of awesome. There you go. That is some of the uh, most interesting, most buzzworthy stories.
to get your Monday morning started. I'm Erin Russo, and I've had 15 years of ICU experience. I think the scariest part of COVID is that it's unpredictable. People are dying and suffering. They're scared to death. They can't breathe. And the hardest part is when they ask us to hold their hand because they don't want to die alone. We need the people in Ohio to take this virus more seriously. And we ask you to wear a mask and to social distance. Please take the steps to help us keep you safe. A message from the Ohio Department of Health. Hancock Public Health Commissioner Kareem Baroudi is on the line with us uh, this morning. And here is a story, uh, Kareem, that I I think you will appreciate being a public health official. I saw this on the uh, Newswire. Uh, Matthew Hess walked into a convenience store in Davidson, North Carolina the other day to grab a salad before heading to work. And on a whim, he decided to uh, buy some of those uh, instant scratch-off lottery tickets. And he won $100,000, as it turns out. So I'm thinking this is proof, more proof, that you always have to remember to eat your vegetables, right? Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, don't, leave, don't leave your health to luck only. There you go. Um, always do the right thing. <laughs> there, there you go. Uh, but that is not the, uh, the reason we wanted to uh, have you on the uh, uh, line this morning, obviously. Uh, it was uh, reported uh, just in the uh, past week, uh, past several days, that Governor DeWine says he is ready to move, that we are ready to move into the next phase of Ohio's coronavirus vaccine rollout. And at the same time, the most recent reporting locally is that we have uh, only had about a thousand people or so, vaccinated, a little less than that, vaccinated uh, here in Hancock County. So are we truly ready to move to the next phase or is the governor kind of getting ahead of himself a little bit here? No, I think uh, we've, uh, you know, as of this morning, I looked at the numbers a little bit, and we're, we're a little over 1,500 individuals oh. who started the vaccine. Okay. Um, and um, and uh, that's about 2% of our population. So um, vaccine, you know, administration is, is really ramping up here locally, and I think we're going to be ready uh, to move into 1B the week of January 19th, okay. uh, per the governor um, recommendations. Um, and uh, I think we still have this week. We're finishing up outreaching to um, um, the remainder of one, our, our Phase 1A individuals who are eligible for the vaccine. Um, and uh, by the end of this week, uh, we, should be, uh, we should be done outreaching to them. That doesn't mean they're all completed, um, but, uh, but at least we've, we've offered it to, um, to all the uh, individuals who are eligible under 1A. Well, that is, the, um, that is the next question. Has there been some hesitancy among those who have been eligible to get the vaccine? This is, again, one of the things that we've heard reporting on are the number of people who are saying thanks but no thanks. Yeah, and you know what? In the beginning, we did we did feel that there's some kind of I don't I won't say hesitancy, but people were trying to kind of wait a little bit to see how it's going to go with the first round, mm-hmm. um, and especially the rollout of the vaccine. Um, it happened around the holidays, uh, you know, with our first clinic being the day before uh, Christmas Eve. Um, and um, subsequent clinics were the week of, of New Year. So um, a lot of people were kind of want to wait. They don't want to deal with any side effects or, or anything else. Um, and I think uh, people are, are, you know, we're, we're being overwhelmed here, uh, you know, as far as phone calls, people inquiring about the vaccine, how they can pre-register. 
So uh, I think that hesitancy or whatever it was at the beginning of of, um, of this campaign is kind of normal. We see it with any new vaccination or immunization campaign. Uh, people are, are not sure. They want to wait. They want to get more information, uh, which is kind of normal, but that's ramping up. And um, I'll be glad to report that out of the 1,500 doses administered here, uh, we've had very minimal side effects of the vaccine and almost no, um, no serious reaction to it. So the vaccine is safe, um, and, and people should uh, start considering getting the vaccine when it, when it becomes available. And so you are satisfied that we are where we should be at this juncture, and as you were mentioning in terms of supply, we do have uh, adequate supply to uh, finish up this uh, first phase and move into this uh, 1B phase uh, here in a couple of weeks? Um, as far as 1A is concerned, um, we were supposed to get some supplies today to deal with this last week of um, Phase 1A outreach, um, and I'm hoping that we will get enough, but uh, you all know and heard that uh, vaccine doses are very limited, mm-hmm. and uh, I think at this stage um, the goal um, is to save lives of the most vulnerable citizens and, and get the kids back to school in phase 1B. Um, so I'm hoping it looks you know, like the state and the governor are ramping up the supply chain as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, we're all uh, looking forward to that. I, there, The reason uh, the supply uh, chain issue comes into play is because there has been a growing debate among those in the public health space over the best way of allocating the supplies that are out there, whether to hold back uh, a, a certain amount of supply for the second vaccine, uh, the booster shot that is required for full immunization, or whether to go ahead and immunize, inoculate uh, as many people as possible, and then worry about that second vaccine on down the road. So, which is the policy? What is the policy uh, here locally in terms of do we hold back uh, enough for that second vaccine, or do we get it out there to as many people, the first vaccine out there uh, to as many people as possible? Yeah, and I think we're following closely what the state policy is on that. And I think it's uh, Operation Warp Speed, and it's at the federal level that they are holding back the second doses. Um, they're not, we're not holding them back here. I think at the federal level, when uh, the allocations goes out to the states, they are holding back on the second doses to make sure um, those inoculated, um, you know, within 30 days are um, are um, are. Are immunized, fully immunized. So um, I think we've we've heard about the new administration changing course and saying, okay, we're not going to hold back anything. We're going to push everything to the states, um, so we can get as many people inoculated as possible. Uh, then the supply chain will work itself out within the 30 days that the second dose is needed. So in um, other that words, debate is still going on. Yep. Yeah. So, so in other words, uh, what I hear you saying is that uh, you're just getting uh, the the supply for that first uh, inoculation. It's being held back uh, higher higher up than uh, the the local office. You don't really have a say uh, with respect to that policy. Would you prefer to get uh, a larger initial supply and not have that hold back and worry about that later on? I mean, would that be your preference if you could get more uh, of that first vaccine? That might be a good strategy moving forward. The only thing is we have to look higher up the supply chain to make sure manufacturing mm-hmm. of the vaccine is keeping up with the demand. 
Um, because like I said, since we started um, pre-registering individuals for the 80 plus or phase 1B mm-hmm. um, in that first week of January, we've got up, you know, uh, north of 20, uh, you know, 2,000 individuals inquiring and wanted to be on the list. So um, we're nowhere near, you know, near what we're having that 2,000 available to get it out to them quick. It's just a matter of, of you know, the supply chain easing up a little bit um, so we can do more mass clinics and, and open it up to more uh, individuals in our community. The bot- to be done, yeah. Yeah, the bottom line, uh, because, again, everybody wants to, and we've talked about this before, it seems like every time we have you on uh, here of late, we ask this question, and uh, just to kind of make sure that we are still, uh, I guess, on track, the goal is to, by later this year, uh, have enough folks uh, immunized where we can reach that herd immunity, which will be uh, what will allow us to kind of get life back to normal so uh, are we on track and do you feel that we still will be able to achieve that that herd immunity later this year i think we will um it's um you know the hope that more vaccines uh, becomes available um you know the johnson johnson astrazeneca that Mm -hmm. might be uh, approved soon the more vaccination options we will have i think the better we can reach the masses um, and have them uh, have them uh, immunized. Uh, I'm still thinking if if the goal is to get um, our kids to school, uh, you know, in March and starting that vaccination of the adult population in schools in in, uh, uh, in February, uh, coupled with the you know keeping up um, the proper prevention measures, um, I think that's going to put us in a better a better place as far as protection from COVID-19 and moving forward with our um, herd immunity uh, achievement. Um, this is um, this is a, a huge task, but uh, we all have a role in it. The yeah. citizens have a role. Um, you know, the public health, the providers, primary care. Um, uh, you know, local pharmacies. Um, we're enlisting. Um, uh, you know, so uh, so many uh, partners here to help us with that effort, and I think it will be done. And as you mentioned, uh, moving into phase 1B here in the next uh, couple of weeks, and so folks who are in that category uh, need to pre-register uh, for the vaccine? Yes, and uh, the focus, again, next week, uh, per the governor guidance, we're going to start with Ohioans 80 years of age and older, um, and uh, they can go on our website. Um, there's a pre-registration uh, form. Um, of easy five questions. They will um, fill in the form and, and submit. Um, we will have their information, and when a vaccine becomes available to that group, we'll reach out. Um, it's very important that um, that people will be patient, you know, with the phones. Like I said, we were kind of overwhelmed last mm-hmm. week a little bit, sure. and we enlisted the help of uh, 50 North uh, to help us a little bit with helping some of our seniors uh, register online, um, and um, they can call their number as well. Um, and uh, some live person will be able to help them through uh, the registration process. Very good. And we have the link up to the Hancock Public Health website for much more information. Commissioner Kareem Baruti with us this morning. Thanks very much for the update. We appreciate it. Thank you, Chris.
What is one of the many struggles of parenthood? How to keep your kids active during the wintertime when they're cooped up indoors. Even 12-time Olympic swimming medalist Dara Torres understands the challenge, and that is why she has for us this morning some tips to keep those kids and your entire family active and healthy year-round. And Dara, first of all, let's talk about the science a little bit and why it is so important. It's important because your kids can get in a rut and you want to keep them physically and mentally active, you know, during the winter months, during COVID with, with kids doing online schooling and being home all the time, because you want them to grow up to be happy and healthy. And that's not easy to do if they're not being active. And again, it's a year round thing. Cause you know, in the summertime, uh, they're, they're out, they're riding their bikes, they're playing with their friends, you know, doing all of those active things. Obviously, there are going to be times in the winter when the kids will be outside, too, uh, especially when there's snow on the ground and, and stuff to do. That's great. But the rest of the time, you have to kind of get creative and innovative in terms of keeping them active indoors. Yeah, let me tell you, it's not easy. I mean, me having an Olympic background, I still have a tough time getting my kid motivated. And so now, recently, a new app launched in the U.S. It's called Elanation. And if you go to elanation.com, it's E-L-A-N-A-T-I-O-N. Um, it's a wonderful app that's there. Uh, it's your number one health and fitness app for kids. There's over a thousand skills taught by world-class athletes, coaches, yogis, and chefs for kids. It's really awesome. They have about 26 sports on there, everything from like dance and yoga to basketball, soccer, gymnastics. And they add new sports each month. And it's really incredible because it helps the parents not trying to figure out what to do. The app is right there and the kids have fun. Um, it's really for about maybe ages between 6 and 15 for both, you know, boys and girls. And they earn points and medals for learning and trying new skills. It's really an awesome app. Now, do the kids need uh, some other kind of specialized equipment to take advantage of this? What kind of... Uh, what kind of activities, what kind of workouts and such will uh, will they find here? Well, for example, if you're doing soccer and you're learning from the no number one freestyle soccer player in the U.S., DJ Davini, then you might need a soccer ball. But for the most part, most of the stuff mm -hmm. you can do at home, you can do outside. Um, you just follow what the world-class athletes and coaches are teaching you what to do. Like I said, there's thousands of skills taught by these um, athletes and coaches, and they're adding new sports each month. So there's going to be more and more. And it's, it's not necessarily about focusing on just your sport. You know, when I was growing up, my mom had us doing a whole bunch of different sports at once because she wanted us to figure out what we wanted to do, but also didn't want us to get bored doing the same thing over and over again. And that's the great thing about this app is there's so many different things to do. And if you don't know what your kid is good at or likes, this app's going to help them find that. And at the same time, work out uh, different uh, muscles and you know different movements, different things uh, are going to be healthy for the body as well. And I would imagine, you know, even though, like you said, this is an app that is geared toward the kids, and there are certainly apps that are geared, similar apps that are geared for adults, but, you know, whatever it is that you're using, uh, this is going to encourage not just the kids to be active, but in many cases, you know, mom and dad can be active with the kids as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've already gone on there and gone to the dance um, moves because I do some TikTok every now and then, and my daughter's mortified when she sees how, <laughs> what my moves are like. So 
I've been on there learning the dance moves too. So it, it's, <laughs> it's really supposed to be for the kids, but the families do it too and they do it together and it causes a lot of uh, unity, which is great. Yeah, because this applies to everyone in the family, adults included. We also tend to be guilty of doing far much, uh, far too much lounging around, uh, you know, this time and especially with our screens, we're all guilty with that. And again, we're talking about an app and so that kind of cycles back to the screen. As a mom yourself, how do you manage that healthy screen time with your kids? Because especially during you know, what we've experienced the past year, um, that really has become a challenge. It really has. I mean, it's a struggle for most parents in an evolving digital world. Uh, the great thing about the Elanation app is it's a healthy screen time for your child. It's not like they're going on there watching videos over and over again of, you know, stuff that is not great for the mind or yeah binging on TV shows, which my daughter tends to do sometimes. So this is an app that is for healthy screen time for your child, gets them physically and mentally active. And that's really what you want to have a happy and healthy child. Uh, any other uh, insights uh, and such that you can share? As we mentioned, you know, you are you know, a perfect expert to kind of pick the brain with your Olympic career, 12 medals, uh, 25 years uh, in sport. What can you offer to uh, help keep kids and families active? I think it's just to mix it up a little bit. I mean, that's what my mom taught me, who was my idol growing up, is to try different things. There were six of us in our family, and we tried soccer and, you know, obviously swimming and gymnastics and, you know, volleyball and basketball. So she had us doing a whole bunch of different things. And that's the beauty of this Elanation app is there's so many different things on there for kids to try that they're not going to get bored. They're going to love it, and they're going to try new things once they master one skill and, you know, they're being taught by the best in the world. So what's better than that? Again, 12-time Olympic swimming medalist Dara Torres with us this morning talking about keeping the kids, uh, particularly, but really the entire family, uh, active and healthy year-round, especially these cold winter months when we're all cooped up more than we'd like. Uh, you mentioned the uh, app. The There's a, a website, too, where folks can get more information, right? Yes. So you can go to elanation.com. Again, that's E-L-A-N, Nation, A-T-I-O-N. Uh, and you can download the, the app on the website, or you can also go to the Apple Store or Google Play and download it there. They also have a free seven-day trial, which is pretty cool because then you can really see what it's all about. But I guarantee you once the kids get on there, they're not going to want to get off. And it's about $49.99 for a year, so it's about $0.13 cents a day. And you can have up to four children's accounts per family. So it's, it's really cost-effective, too. Awesome stuff. Dara, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Now for this week's consumer news, you may remember back several years ago, a number of major retailers, among them Macy's, Kohl's, JCPenney, were hit with lawsuits concerning deceptive sales prices. Basically, uh, what they were accused of doing is marking up their regular, quote-unquote, regular prices in order to make their discount prices or sale prices seem like bigger discounts than they actually are. Well, a new report from Mashable says that many of those retailers, many of those same retailers, are still doing that, marking up prices just to mark them down. And, you know, this is nothing new, but now they say we have ways to beat those retailers at their own game, thanks to... Well, what Mashable did is they compared uh, 
the prices at these retailers with manufacturers suggested retail prices and uh, sales prices uh, like online outlets, Amazon and, and places like that. And uh, came up with this report and they say they're marking them up in order to mark them down, make it seem like you're getting a better deal uh, than you actually are. But now there is technology that can help beat those retailers at their own game. Uh, they say uh, you want to check out CamelCamelCamel.com, which is a price tracker, mainly pri- tracks prices on Amazon. Make sure that you get uh, the low uh, lowest prices and a website called FakeSpot.com, which analyzes links in search of fake or counterfeit customer reviews. So a couple of ways you can make sure that you are getting the best deal possible. The take-home message from this report, stay skeptical of sale prices and what retailers are selling you because those deals are not always as great as they seem. Just kind of interesting that that is still going on despite those lawsuits, which were filed all the way back in 2015, you may remember. Uh, More of the day's... uh, Consumer headlines, Uh, it is no secret that many of us have done more online shopping during the pandemic, and now we have some numbers on that, and how many of those packages disappeared from porches around the country. That story and more of the day's consumer affairs, here is correspondent Mark Huffman. Researchers say the pandemic has led to an increase in online sales as well as package theft. A survey from C Plus R Research shows the percentage of consumers making at least one online order in 2020 rose from 49 to 59 percent. There was also a 7 percent increase in package theft. A report by the Wall Street Journal predicts commuting to work will be less stressful and a lot faster as the coronavirus pandemic eases. It cites researchers at Texas A&M whose models show a sizable portion of the workforce will continue working remotely, reducing the number of cars on the road. Despite record low mortgage rates, a new industry report shows home ownership is quickly sliding into unaffordable territory. Adam Data Solutions, a property data firm, found the median home prices are now less affordable than historical averages in 55% of U.S. counties. Americans can now check the status of their second stimulus payment using the IRS's online tracking tool GetMyPayment. It's part of the tax agency's website at irs.gov. At the site, you can find out when your payment will be sent and whether it's a check or direct deposit. T-Mobile has announced its fourth data breach in three years. The company did not say what portion of its nearly 100 million user accounts were at risk. It did confirm that the data access did not include names on the account, physical or email addresses, financial data, or credit card information. President-elect Biden says he will propose changes to how credit scores are formulated. Under the proposal, the administration will establish a government-run credit agency that will use different methods to develop consumers' credit scores in a way that is more transparent. Honda is recalling 220,000 older Accords equipped with a four-cylinder engine and a continuously variable transmission. The drive shafts were assembled with a lubricant that may have degraded its protective coating, making them vulnerable to winter road treatments. I'm Mark Huffman. Learn more at ConsumerAffairs.com. And that has been a long-standing issue for Honda vehicles decades. Interesting stuff. A couple of other uh, recalls. You're probably not doing a whole lot of biking right now, but Academy Sports and Outdoors is recalling about 6,000 
Ozone 500 density bicycles because the locking hardware on the front wheel can become loose. That would be dangerous. Rust-Oleum recalling about uh, 10,000 or so cans of aerosol paint because there is a weakness in the uh, can itself. And, of course, the contents are pressurized. Basically, the bottom could blow off, and that would not be good. So those are being recalled. And John Deere recalling about 1,800 Frontier rotary tillers. Uh, apparently, some of the PTO drivetrains were assembled without a, specif- a specified safety sign. So it doesn't appear that there's a problem with the device itself, but the proper signage is not there according to federal regulations. So they'll perform a free safety check and correct that problem. Uh, so contact your uh, local dealer. And you can get more details on the latest product recalls on our webpage. Go to goodmornings.net. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's broken news report on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. And uh, in the broken news this morning, uh, this happened early Tuesday of last week. A group of burglars broke into the cellar at Domaine de Rimska, a hotel in the Burgundy region of France known for its fine wines. They broke into the wine cellar and stole... Several bottles uh, of wine estimated to be worth nearly a half million dollars. Made off with a half a million dollars in wine. Thieves loaded up the stolen wine into a van and were ready to take off, but they had managed in the course of their robbery to set off a fire alarm during the break-in. The hotel uh, owner called police. Officials caught up with the van as it drove toward the city of Lyon And the thieves started hurling bottles of wine at officers in an attempt to slow them down. None of the bottles hit the police, who chased the thieves until they crashed into a toll barrier. (laughs) They fled on foot after the crash, leaving the stolen wine behind. Police still working to identify the three suspects in the case. (laughs) Start chucking the wine at them! Start chucking the wine! Must have been quite a scene. Heading down the the highway there in France. Uh, Elsewhere in the broken news, uh, by the way, this is all uh, international broken news uh, this morning. Technology, not always helpful. In Britain, police got a, well, not always helpful for the criminals. Uh, Helpful for the police, though. Police in Britain say they got a suspicious call related to a burglary last Wednesday. And it actually came from the burglars themselves. This happens from time to time. We've had these stories uh, in the past. Here's the latest uh, case. Police say one of the uh, burglars had butt-dialed 999, which is that country's emergency number, like 911 here. It's 999 in Great Britain. And one of the burglars had butt-dialed the emergency hotline, allowing authorities, uh, authorities to listen in as the crime was happening in real time. The call even detailed all of their antics up to the point of hearing the police cars arrive to arrest them. <laughs> so, the night, so the emergency dispatcher was listening in uh, even as the cops arrived on the scene. Police shared the story on Twitter along with a clip of one of the burglars from the movie Home Alone writing, I think we have just arrested the world's unluckiest burglars. <laughs> 
Oh, goodness. So it, let that be a lesson uh, to those who are considering a life in crime. Uh, when you go when you go out to rob, so leave your phone at home. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, this also from Great Britain. 42-year-old man has finally passed his driving exam. Now, this would not ordinarily be news, except that it took him 158 times. That's right. He failed his driving exam 157 times, spending over $4,800 in the process. Finally passed on his 158th attempt. Um, the uh, report by Select Car Leasing, after they got the information from the Driver and Vehicle Standard Agency in Great Britain, they say the uh, man had failed the test known as the driving theory test the most times of any person in Great Britain. A woman in her 30s came in second place, failing 117 times, and she still has not passed. It actually brings up the question, if you were renting a car to someone you find, found it, they have, they have a license, but it took them 158 times to get the license. Would you be more or less likely to actually rent this person a car. <laughs> I know he has his driver's license now, but if it takes him 158 times, I might think twice about renting him a car. And uh, if you think that's unlucky, how about this? A woman in Queensland, Australia, uh, has filed a lawsuit. Apparently, uh, she says she lost a lottery ticket worth $2 million dollars she was rifling through her house to find the ticket she misplaced. And so she she has now filed a lawsuit. So the bottom line is this woman who cannot prove that she actually won the lottery is suing the lottery because she says she's entitled to the earnings. The case is already in front of the Supreme Court of Australia. The woman says she bought a gold lotto draw with, uh, with cash. She has no receipt because she paid cash for it. On January 22nd, 2014, but then the ticket upped and vanished. She said she can prove she had such a ticket because the winning numbers coincide with the anniversary and birth dates from family members. Oh, well, there you go. That's, then it's got to be. The uh, case is set to be heard for the Supreme Court on February 3rd, so we'll let you know. How that turns out, we'll follow up. There you go. That is the she's actually suing to claim the prize in a lottery ticket that or in a lottery that she cannot produce the uh, ticket for. Interesting. There you go. That is uh, today's broken news report. A service, more or less, of the uh, the Hancock County Veterans Services Office. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Take WFIN wherever you go with our updated mobile apps for iPhone and Android. And now you can listen to us on your Alexa device. Get the app at WFIN.com or in the App Store or Google Play. Plus, enable Alexa by searching for WFIN under Skills, and you'll soon be saying, Alexa, play 1330 WFIN. And the best part is the apps and skills are absolutely free. On the air at 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Online at WFIN.com and on your smartphone, tablet, and Alexa devices.
And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. And this one is kind of interesting. Valentine's Day is just a few weeks away now. And the Shane Company, which is a jewelry firm, wanted to know the love language in every state. The love language is a term It was coined by author Gary Chapman back in the 90s in his book, The Five Love Languages, How to Express Heartfelt Commitment to Your Mate. So, the Shane Company uh, analyzed Google Trends, poured over Google Trends search data to figure out what each state's top love language is, um, based on searches for ways to show affection to that special someone. And it turns out that clusters of states prefer uh, seem to appreciate the same things and and prefer different types of language for example people in the midwest uh like physical touch is the top love language in ohio in indiana in kentucky in michigan in wisconsin minnesota iowa pennsylvania all prefer physical touch the preferred love language in the midwest Meanwhile, the Pacific Northwest, uh, you find quality time uh, is the best way to show love for that special someone. Spending quality time with them in Washington, Oregon, Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, North and South Dakota. uh, Also in Alaska and Hawaii, time. uh, New Mexico preferred time. Uh, Just kind of interesting. Uh, The uh, quality time is it. Um, those living in the Southwest value acts of service. Uh, That would be California, Nevada, Utah, Arizona, acts of service. And the uh, materialistic people live in places like New York, Texas, Florida. That's where receiving gifts, the top love language. And then the fifth love language is words of affirmation and uh, that is the preferred way of showing one's feelings for someone special words of affirmation in places like virginia is virginia is for lovers they say virginia uh georgia louisiana illinois kansas nebraska uh prefer words of affirmation. But I thought that was uh, kind of interesting. The love languages in every state. So if you are trying to figure out how best to express your love for your special someone on Valentine's Day, which is coming up, uh, physical touch is the preferred method in the state of Ohio, which is good because you don't have to buy anything. <laughs> that way. I mean, if you're a little running a little short on funds, you know, it's been a rough year and. You know, we're just past the holidays. Maybe you don't have a whole lot extra to to spend big money on your significant other. Well, that's okay because at least in Ohio, it appears that your significant other prefers physical touch over all else. So, you're welcome. <laughs> Got to talk all things Buckeyes here because we have Ohio State University Extension Educator Cassie Turner with us in the studio and there we go we've got uh, chris holtman show today at noon uh talk buckeye basketball big win over rutgers uh, over the yeah, weekend nice so stuff. signature win there uh the uh college football national championship 
uh, this evening. And uh, by the way, I, I'm just uh, I'm telling you right now, I'm not going to be here tomorrow morning. I would still do the show. We're going to be at home. I have some good it's good plan. Be a late night. It's going to be a late it's night. Be a late I night. agree. I'm just telling you right now, <laughs> we're going to be a, doing the show at home. Uh, going to be in the bunker tomorrow morning uh, because I'm not dragging myself in here. Uh, after that, and then uh, of course uh, Wednesday, uh, Buckeye basketball uh, against Northwestern. The Big Ten schedule uh, continues, uh, but we don't want to talk about Buckeye sports. We want to talk about uh, 4-H, 4-H clubs gearing up. Right yeah, now. I mean, I'm always happy to talk football, but there's a lot of cool stuff <laughs> going on in 4-H right now. Chris. Is there a football 4-H club? Maybe that's you know, what we need. I think that might be a great next go. idea. There we'll have go. to work on that. There you go. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, there's a lot of cool things going on right now. Um, you know, with COVID and everything. We're, we're kind of putting our, our thinking caps on and approaching things in a little bit different manner. Right. But our community clubs, our bread and butter, cl- our community clubs, our traditional clubs are gearing up. We'll be having um, kickoffs for our advisors so they can have all the materials and support stuff that they need um, come the end of the month. And uh, clubs, my guess, most clubs will start uh, getting together February and March just as we kind of see things progressing. Okay. So uh, maybe a little... A little so there might be some hybrid stuff. Some going hybrid on. stuff, definitely. Yeah. And um, you know, and we want everybody to be safe and healthy, and that's important to, right. to all of us. So, it, but important to point out that the that the four H clubs are you know up and running, or they will be up and they running. So, be. if folks want to, uh, can people still join? People I mean, can join year round. Yeah. Uh, in fact, we're you know um, right now we just launched a. a the brand new version of 4-H online so everybody can actually enroll online now um so that's kind of something fun that we're all working and learning through uh, but yeah so that's one of those things but yeah our a lot of some of our some of our clubs are run, meeting hybrid right now um or virtually and um we'll be kicking off the year either virtually or hybrid as we go so 4-H yeah. is alive and well and doing our thing um some of those cool things that are looking at a little bit different spin Spin clubs, spin clubs, our and special interest clubs. Yeah, we've we've talked about this uh, in the past, which is a great way to kind of get your feet wet. Uh, yeah, a little and, bit in and maybe and see some topics that are get to explore an area that maybe mm-hmm. you would never would have had the opportunity to. So, um, starting January nineteenth, will be our Healthy Body, Healthy Minds uh, Club, and that's going to be a six week program on Tuesday evenings, um, focusing on. Um, ways that we can develop tools that will help us be um, healthy. So whether it's practicing yoga or um, learning how to make a smoothie, there's going to be a variety of topics that are being covered every week, and that's um, being provided myself and, and several of my colleagues. And then as we work our way, other clubs that are being offered throughout the state, and I think that's kind of the cool thing about spin clubs is because they're being held virtually, you can interact with kids in Cleveland. Yeah. Right. Um, so there's one that's uh, starting up that's New Year, New You, Making Yourself Better, or Making You Your Best Better. And then we've also got a poetry club and a polar mystery club starting. So those are all um, coming up very soon. And the marketing materials, I would suggest that you try uh, going to Ohio4H.org or checking out our Facebook page, which you okay. can find us at Hancock County 4-H. And that is a good point that you make. Normally, we talk about 4-H, and we're talking about in the local area, Hancock County. Uh, but the uh, spin clubs uh, particularly give you the opportunity to do this uh, in a statewide or even broader level. Even broader. Um, one of my colleagues, um, uh, Margo Long in, in Marion County, they're doing um, world or world changer yeah world changers spin club and that's hmm. a coding club that's focused for girls in science i mean if anybody's welcome but that that's a focus target for them and they're working with another state so there's yeah. two states partnering on this and the kids all get together so so this is another example of how this has really given us the opportunity yes it's 
it's kind of a bummer that the, the, the kids have not been able to get together in the 4-H clubs the way they have in the past over the past several months, uh, last year and now into, yeah. into this year. But at the same time, it's also presented opportunities that maybe there wouldn't have been before, wouldn't have thought of uh, Exactly. Before, so. You know, I mean, I think we all can agree COVID sucks. I mean, that's just yeah. part of life right now. <laughs> yeah. But um, frankly, but... Um, but yeah, the innovation and different opportunities, um, you know, the, the different things I've seen, different speakers. Uh, one of my colleagues has a, a marine biology person speaking to our junior leaders club. Wow. Um, you know, you just don't, yeah. the would, opportunities. Yeah, you wouldn't get that if you were just thinking in the box for Hancock County alone. Yeah, you know, so I think that'll be something that everybody takes and moves forward is sure. that, you know, you don't have to necessarily have a person drive to your meeting location mm-hmm. and we can keep doing that in the future and that's yeah. exciting to me and, yeah that uh, provides an awful lot of opportunities that you wouldn't uh, necessarily get uh, and and again with the uh, spin clubs that we mentioned uh, it's a great way for uh, people to get uh, their feet wet and, and get introduced to different topics but that doesn't necessarily preclude someone who may be in a 4-h club no that's the great up. thing about this is um, you know they're open to everybody yeah. majority of them are free uh, and a lot of times, um, you know, there, there might be kits that are mailed to you depending on the opportunity. Um, so there's there's all sorts of fun things with it. And uh, again, the uh, 4-H clubs getting ramped up uh, here in Hancock County uh, locally. And uh, for those who want more information, how do they go about uh, getting all of that? Sure. Um, probably the easiest way is to um, look us up on the website, which is hancock.osu.edu. Give us a call at the Extension Office um, while we're still working remotely this week. Um, we are we have our lovely Skype phone, so they drove shoots us straight out to us. So um, we're we're there. We just have to to work a little bit differently right now. Um, but the office will be reopening next week. That's what I was going to ask. Uh, you actually are going to be back in the office. We'll be back week. in underneath our per- per- plan. So limited okay. staffing, but we will be there eight thirty to four thirty starting next Tuesday. And with respect to other happenings uh, within the. Uh, OSU Extension office. I know, again, things have been postponed, canceled. Some of it is personnel. Some of it is because you haven't been able to get there. Right. What status on some of the other uh, programming? So so usually the best bet, if if it's pesticide training, if it's, you know, some of those different certifications in the ag world, um, you know, just contact Ed Lentz um, and you can find all that information on our website. Um, We will, we are working towards Emily, um, our family consumer science educator took another position. So um, we're working on uh, bringing some of those programming and an FCS educator back in the new year so hopefully we'll be a full gamut of programming um again very soon but okay so stay tuned stay tuned for uh, info on that again uh, cassie turner osu extension educator with the 4-h program we've got the link up at our webpage for more info cassie as always thanks very much for dropping by we appreciate it go box and that will put a wraps on our podcast for today I want to thank all of our guests for being with us remember as always you can get more information about everything we talk about on the show at our webpage goodmornings.net we are always on 24 7 on the world wide web so until tomorrow morning that is good mornings for this morning now that you've had a good morning go on out and make it a good day and we will catch you back here tomorrow 